Welcome to the Two Hip Podcast. Remind me how my podcast works? Okay. In the beginning, I say explain yourself, but there's so many people. Whoever's talking can do a very succinct, like you're on trial, explain your entire life. Ready? Go. Ian. Ian's first. <laughs> He's supposed to introduce himself. Sorry. Him <laughs> I'll cut that out. I'll cut that out. He doesn't have a name. Explain yourself. The hostile segment where you explain you. Like you're on trial. Hi, my name is Ian Nicholson. Why do you always say that? <laughs> that was always his bio. Who's next? That's it. That's his. That's his. <laughs> Who's anybody? No? Pass the mic. I always really. Oh, I've already done this, but uh, Alex, cool. I do uh, a lot of virtual reality stuff and uh, went to architecture school and did a bunch of theater stuff with various people. This is this is get, this is taking me person. back. Yeah. Yeah. You recorded all your. Oh yeah. All your songs took the bone. Oh, did you give it Me and this guy go way back. I'm Lindsay Farrell and I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you're, yeah, you're the first pregnant guest. Nobody knew until now. So. Not Telling the world. Not sure. It's the best. I'm John Tash and I'm naked. <laughs> You I'm, and I'm Dan, and I've been on this podcast. <laughs> yes, Hi, more than once. Down. Dan's actually the most recurring guest because in Germany he was Twice. on the podcast. Yeah, and now he's he's back again. Yeah. Um, oh, three times, right? Yeah. This counts. The best part is in Germany, we got introduced to talk, and they're like, "Oh, these two guys have been here. They've done this. They've done this event before. Like, we want to have them come up and talk." And I explained a bunch of stuff we did, like pretty succinctly, I think. Yeah. I turned to Dan. And I was like, "Dan, you have anything to add?" And he just like shakes his head now. <laughs> he it. said it. Didn't he even say anything. He literally didn't even say any words. Huh. But and that happened. The, another group did the that. Other group Two came guys up, came up and explained everything about the them. Thing. And he goes, do you want to add anything? And their guy goes. And he was also like a short guy with a beard. Yeah. It was the, you know, it was the Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, yeah. Right. Jay <laughs> and Silent Bob. Nice. Good times. All right. So everyone said hi. Typical thing is authenticity. I, I was. I had two ways to go about this, go about this particular podcast. Normally, I interview other people. You can, you can, people can talk about authentic experiences or answers to questions if they want to, or they can harass me with questions, um, which is not normally how it goes. Um, <laughs> so you can put me on the spot, even if you're not someone who introduced yourself. <laughs> Some, there's somebody hiding who's laughing in the background. I you know what? That up. We missed a huge opportunity for you to have four babies as guests. <laughs> <laughs> like what an enormous missed opportunity. Nobody yeah. has yes, this as authentic as a four-year-old. We're so true. boring compared to the four babies They're that you could have introduced. Extremely oh, yes, upfront. that's true. There were a bunch of babies here not ours just they showed up um but no that, we're, we're gonna this focus on alistair and leander's interview and that would have been amazing <laughs> maybe, maybe i'll do that tomorrow i have time yeah, no i actually have wanted kids on i've you specifically have a kid. <laughs> i know i have a kid but, yeah, but one of them i want to kidnap other kids <laughs> no, i was hoping for like a 10 year old like someone Oh, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Oh, that's yeah. good. I like this that. Is, I, I have plans for tomorrow. So you might end up hearing little kids tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Live from on the, the same, On the same podcast. When did you first learn that your parents were poopy? <laughs> Real serious, deep questions. Hub? We're going to do it in the IHOP. But how could you? I'm interview that? the waitress. <laughs> True. Right. Dan, Dan, why don't you say why this group is I'm all together? Like, question why are we all Mama, together? nice. <laughs> I, I, this group of people is together. I've mentioned what before, my, the Warehouse Architecture Theater. Uh, great group in college. We all kind of um, wanted a theater outlet and didn't have the time. Um, so for some reason we were like, let's make our own and spend even more time and energy creating something from scratch and, and dedicate all our free time to it. 
and it ended up working somehow. Um, we carved it out and created a bunch of friendships out of it. And we're all we all get back together every once in a while for like a little what reunion. And this happens to be one of them. And it's the middle of summer, but you probably won't even hear this episode for like months because I'm all backed up on a couple other episodes. But nonetheless, all together, it's it's wonderful. And it's a group of people that I a feel are authentic, despite being actors um, and architects who sometimes aren't authentic um, as, as a as a type of profession. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, I I try to find people in my life that I feel like are authentic people, uh, good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, one of the things I say about speaking of ugly, um, uh, Dan. Uh, no, I I always I've said to him a couple times that like. I have some people in my life that just, they give me like blunt advice and criticism and this is that group of people uh, that I'm referencing. Like people that give you the truth uh, when I'm working on stuff creatively. That I think that's an amazing thing to have. And this, I feel like this is that group of people. And even as we're, lives are going in different directions, crazy things happening, some of us with kids, some of us pregnant, as you heard. Um, some of us. Some of us. Uh, and it's always fascinating to just kind of be able to still be involved in people's creative lives as well as their personal lives and catch up on all that stuff. So, one of the first things we ask in uh, the podcast is a, a deep ep- question, which is uh, the two hypocrisy. Two hypocrisy, like the recapture for authenticity, meant to be easy on humans, hard on hipster bots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did Dan, you say? You two hypocrisy? The, the no, two no. hypocrisy, which I made He's up. Which is two hip is the podcast. Hypocrisy. Like so this podcast, is a moment where you no, felt no. like you were a hypocrite. And we could just go around and they can be anonymous if people want to be anonymous. <laughs> um, people who didn't introduce themselves. Do you remember I say what people, I said I mean last one time? I don't want to say the same Listen thing. to Son of Voice huh? Changer. You, you can say something different. I don't know what you said last time. You can't. I think I said a thing about that. mic is very All right. If anybody wants to go around and say it. Um, I'll, I'll end it, but, but I'll do it the same order we did earlier. But go ahead. Anything? Do you have a moment where you felt inauthentic? It can be any point in your life, like uh, when you were a kid or more recently. Like a point where you, you, you finally called attention to a moment where you're like, oh, I'm kind of pretending. Or you catch yourself and like, oh, I was a huge asshole that time. What, whatever you want to talk about. On the spot. You can think about it. I can edit out. Silence. I have no faults. You have no thoughts. I have no faults. Okay, no faults. So, so right now. Right now. Right now is being one of those moments. Yes, is very authentic. Uh, in preschool, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, got pretty excited when I, I felt very powerful at a time when oh, I realized I'd set the women and the boys, <laughs> the girls and the boys, the women weren't older than anyone else, uh, against each other, um, because one day I told all the boys that the girls had a poisonous lipstick that then was kind of like a, a weapon of mass destruction that made all the boys terrified of the women. I don't know why I keep saying women, the girls. And uh, the girls kind of took over the playground, and every recess we had to listen to them because otherwise everyone was afraid of being kissed and exploding. So that was scary. And then at a certain point... Wait, um, how is it scary if you made up the rumor? It was scary to everyone, and then I wasn't (laughs) even so worried about everyone being scared. I was just like, wow, I created this. This was all because of something I lied about. (laughs) And that was inauthentic. Um, But then, to make things worse, eventually, uh, Morgan Napton, who's still a good friend of mine and still a stand-up guy, was like, why are we fighting? Why can't we all just get along? So in kind of a diplomatic ambassadorship move, 
one day decided to meet in neutral territory with the girl ambassador um, and, <laughs> and Cushing and decided to uh, uh, see if they could come to some kind of agreement where maybe we wouldn't be in this horrifying situation every recess where everyone's scared of everyone. Yeah, and um, Morgan negotiated a piece uh, and it was like, okay, we can Wait, all play alongside each other. the girls knew about this rumor? No, I don't know if they did actually. So yeah, they just knew the boys were confused. <laughs> I think the girls, like, the girls knew that the guys were terrified of being kissed by them, but oh, they didn't know that it was, was anything like more than just Question being afraid of being why kissed. Why were the girls trying to kiss the boys on a regular basis? Occasionally. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot the way that I started this whole lie, which was that um, Tom Sudman and I were supposed to be guarding the slide one day, and then Liesel, <laughs> Kenny, and Ann Cushing started to chase us. And um, we were like, oh my God, why are they chasing us? And we were, you know, pansying out and we ran away from the slide. We abandoned our post. And then uh, I got really far ahead, but Tom tripped and Anne landed on top of him. And then, you know, Anne had this moment where she's like, oh, I caught him. What do I do now? And she kissed him. And exploded. And Tom, <laughs> Tom kind of fainted. Like, he just kind of passed out for a moment. And then Sam and the other, like, guys came back who were, like, the head of our group. And were like, guys, what happened? Why, why is the slide abandoned? And I was like, Sam, it was crazy. The girls, they've got this new weapon. It's poisonous lipstick. It's, oh, my God, look at Tom. Look at Tom. i got to help Tom. And so that's that's how that all started. But anyway, the, the worst part about Tom's all this was that yeah. when Morgan finally negotiated a piece... And it was like, okay, we can all get along. I tried to stop the peace from happening because I was like, well, if everyone's back at peace again, then I'm no longer um, uh, the the creator of this situation. So I I, I craved the power of of what was happening more than you know peace. So. <laughs> That was in an authentic moment. And as a, <laughs> that's the longest answer I've ever had. As a virtual reality professional, he's totally moved on from trying to control worlds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's not trying to create worlds. Jeez. <laughs> Lindsay, do you have one? Well, I don't have a moment where I thought I was being a hypocrite, but I have an authentic moment also from childhood. I don't know. It, it's where I stood up for what I thought was right. Is there like a segment for that later? <laughs> <laughs> there aren't that many segments. Your moment is now. Say whatever you want. Go for it. Um, okay, so I often wanted to play sports with boys because they were the only ones playing sports. So I would play. And it was recess in elementary school. And I wanted to play goalie. Nobody wanted to play goalie. So I thought, great, I can play. <laughs> and suddenly all the boys halfway through the game were annoyed that I was playing because they thought I would be bad and then leave, but I was good and stayed. So it became a giant game of like 10 boys trying to get a goal and I kept stopping them. <laughs> but then one of them hit me in the face and I had to go to the nurse. Oh, no. oh, with the ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, just, just to clarify. <laughs> it's full contact soccer. Yeah, but well, actually, okay, so maybe there's an inauthentic moment in there. Mm. Um, there were these two girls that also were playing and I asked them later why they were like trying to just like make this a game of kick a ball into the into the goalie aka Lindsay and they were like well you don't practice soccer a lot and our dad's a soccer coach and we have to practice a lot and we're <laughs> We resent you for not trying harder. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I think that was one of the times, and Ian knows that um, I jump into things really quickly, especially if they excite me, but I don't necessarily have the skills to back it up. 
so i think that was when i felt like a hypocrite in a in a weird indirect way yeah cool thank you i think i have a shorter hypocrite story um after an odd interaction with a man at a bar who was your basic american dude bro but described himself as italian as you do um if you're an italian american with such inclinations and he spouted the most racist things to me for about 40 minutes against my will and then i went home and told my friends about how racist all italians are oh and that's when i was uh i'm gonna assume that i told like this dress store story on the episode i was on before okay hopefully and i'm not about to retell the story i told but when i was in the um there's a bug it's fine no it's fine there are bugs. We are outside. There are no it's bugs in VR. In my, face. Back in VR. <laughs> um, my my recording studio is crawling with our <laughs> <laughs> Um I I was in the no first grade. Cloud. What? Spider? <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, it's a big spider. Oh, it's the no. no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, I just saw it go flying. <laughs> <laughs> it's airborne. Just it has it wings. It's yeah. all over. Yeah. <laughs> it has 17 wings. That was one of those Australian bird catcher. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. Listen to me about the death. I um, I was in the first grade, and I was. <laughs> you gotta hold still so I can tell a story. <laughs> Your recording studio is distracting. It's, it's so distracting. I I uh. Dragonflies. We're gonna we're gonna edit around all of this. And Can't all right, clean take. Here we go. Ready? And oh, go. I'm kidding. Uh, I was in. The, <laughs> I was in the first grade, and uh, they they told me that I was going to go take a test to get into, like, it was called Junior Great Books at the time. It was sort of like this little version of, like, a, a lot of schools have, like, a gifted and talented program. We had this thing called Junior Great Books, which was, like, a sort of like a franchised. It's hard to explain. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it was the equivalent of, like, this kid reads gooder than other kids kind of thing. And uh, I... I was told, like, okay, next, you know, on Wednesday, we're going to take you out of English class for, like, 25 minutes, and you're going to go take a test, and your teacher has recommended you, and if you pass the test, you'll be in junior grade books, and I kind of knew, like, I felt smart, and I thought, oh, this will prove it, this will be, you know, now I have it on paper that I'm smart, um, and we get there, and it's a spelling test, <laughs> and, like, classic little kid spelling test style, it's like, okay, number one, them, and, like, they just say a word out loud. And number, like, six or seven was of. Of? Of. And I wrote the O, and then I stared, and I was like, okay. I know it's not V, because I know that that's not a word, O-V. But for the life of me, I cannot remember what letter is making that noise in this word. (laughs) And I was fairly, like, aware of, like, the rules of testing. I was like, okay. They give us a lot of time for each one. And I can usually spell everything. So I'm going to leave just the O. And after I spell every other word, I'm going to return and try to think about this. And so we had like, you know, ten more words and spelled. And I didn't have a problem with any of the other ones. It was getting towards the end. There's like three words left. And um, I just still couldn't think of what the letter was. And I looked. Or I, I realized that Adam Townsend was sitting next to me. I knew he was a good speller. So I just kind of looked over at his paper. I saw the F. And I went, of course. I, I, I knew that. Like, I, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. And I wrote the F. And um, and then I you know later I found out I passed the test, 
And I remember thinking, like, the whole point of this test was to prove that I was smart, to make me feel better about myself, and the only way for me to pass it was to cheat. So I don't deserve this. And it kind of, like, tainted my experience of being in, like, the Gifted and Talented program forever because I kind of felt like I didn't belong there, mm. even though I'm sure that one less point wouldn't have changed what happened. Right. But I'll always feel like Adam Ta- like I stole that from Adam Townsend. Um, and then I told Adam Townsend this story senior year of high school when we were graduating. <laughs> oh. I was like, man, I got to say, like, I feel like my entire academic career is built on the back of cheating off that spelling test oh. of you. And, uh, and he was like, honestly, man, I cheated off every test of yours in calculus. So, like, <laughs> Fair paid, paid back in full. Um, but, yeah, I, just, uh, I felt... You were, you were six? I was six. Six. It's the only time I've ever cheated on a test. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, that was inauthentic. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind is not a funny story, oh. unfortunately. Uh, don't tell. Um, don't tell. It's it's just that I I went to a uh, my mom. Can I say something? My family's very conservative, religious, Christian uh, background. And I I went to a a summer camp that I absolutely loved as a kid, like an overnight camp called Halawasa. I think I've mentioned it maybe on another episode. Um, But uh, actually, yeah, one of our previous guests was from Halawasa. But absolutely loved this camp. But I was so conflicted because I even then didn't really think I was on board with everything they were talking about. And uh, I had like a super hard time with that. And then so I went there for four years and I, I let it go and I left. And I don't even think I went to church as much years after that. And time goes by. And I went to high school and someone saw that I had like a Halawasa sticker on my, my car or something. And one of this, my friends, and she's like, oh, I'm a camp counselor at Halawasa now. Do you want to go back and do it? And she basically like roped me back in because she was like the organizer of one of the ages of campers. And um, wrote me back in, and I went, and I was, like, super excited to be on the other side of it after being there for four years and loving this camp despite the religious stuff. But now I, my mind had definitely shifted, and I was in my own mindset already of, like, not really believing in this stuff. And then she wrote me in anyway. And the only way I could get it, though, you had to get a pastor to sign off mm-hmm. on your, your, like, you as a person. Your and, oh, you're a good person. Yeah. And you believe in godly things. Um... And so I basically, it wasn't going to church, so I, I completely lied, started going to a new church, and went to the new church under false pretenses, and basically pretended I believed what was going on, and then like a week into going, maybe two weeks I was there, not, not long at all, I was like, oh, you know what, I actually just got this job, like I want to apply for this job, and um, got a, approval from that pastor, and like, then all summer I was at the camp, so I didn't come to the church that summer because I was at camp, and when the camp was done, I never went there. And I feel horrible. <laughs> These are nice people that didn't deserve that. Basically, just completely used them for that one thing. And I also just completely felt inauthentic trying to teach Christianity to kids when I didn't really believe it. It's kind of a weird thing. So yeah, there's there's some fun stuff, happy things to talk about. Atheism um, in a Christian setting. All right, moving on. Thank you for everyone's input. So now is just where people talk about their lives and things. Possibly and the live stream. Live stream. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to have to make the lives. Lives, 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 lives! I'm using that from now on. <laughs> For this last episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the accidental episode will happen. Yeah, so now, now's the part where we just talk. Jeez. Awkward silence while we wait for something interesting to happen. Pancakes. 
All right, start the conversation. Oh, that was, that was I feel like IHOP is a very authentic place. Oh IHOP I mean, is it doesn't the opposite. lie about what it is. It doesn't lie about what it is, but yeah. We, yeah, we're very excited about IHOP. I am. There's, there's some conflicting I'm pretty excited. interest in IHOP. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually impressed with how many people are interested. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going, Dave? Hanging out with mom. <laughs> yeah. Can I say that Daisy looks like a chocolate brown dog in this lack of light? Lack of light. I'm just getting light in my face. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Here's what really grinds Ian's gears. Yeah. Well, no, it's just, it's just a lot of things happen when you get older. And one thing I'm finding is the only thing that's left to talk about is like, oh, how's work? Or like new people, They're like, oh, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Then you never see them again. You have, so, you have yeah, you have like a 10, 10 second conversation. It's like elevator conversation. So that's why I'm having a kid, so that I can have more interesting conversations <laughs> with someone fresh. <laughs> but then here's the thing that's gonna happen. You think you think that though, but now you have the parent conversations. Yeah. It's like the same as the dog conversations. It's like there's it's just the next level. Like you're still you're still having that conversation. It's just the parent being like commiserating. Oh, I, I stay up late too and I can't sleep and I don't, all Well, you're stuff. commiserating when you're talking with other parents. When you talk to people who aren't parents, they're like, oh my God. Yeah, I never want to have kids. Yeah. I, I think this gripe is very similar to that episode of One Punch Man where... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you have my attention. Where, where Saitama is complaining about not being able to be challenged because there's nobody stronger than him and his friend king yeah his yeah. friend king calls him out and says you're just not trying to be that challenged. was like one of the most recent episodes wasn't it? yeah yeah so i don't know be My a bit more open. yeah be more creative with your conversation well and the other one i hate i absolutely just i'm sorry if any of you do this here but i, I absolutely hate. despise people talking about the weather like and especially in a way that like this very serious like it's definitely happening like to me it's like it, it's always a toss-up it never happens at the exact time that's predicted well, it's like, at. what does it matter like exactly like it's farmer? going to happen just like, <laughs> like it doesn't it influence doesn't, like, you just it, just live your life it like sweater umbrella like that's the extent of it mattering yeah, I loved when I lived in California because we lived in slow. There was no weather really, <laughs> and unless it rained for two seconds, and people just didn't go anywhere that, you know, in that moment. I, I think it's that it's something that's neutral that people have in common. They're like, we're not going to fight and about this. Most people will agree if I say it's hot yeah. and it's annoying. And it's an easy intro to a conversation without getting too personal too quickly. Yeah, I just want to dive right into the deep the stuff. Be like, See? yeah. So like, what what makes you cry yourself to sleep? Well, this is really. <laughs> getting at the, the deep issue that no one has anything in common anymore because our lives are so fragmented by technology. I don't know. I yeah, knew those about damn technology man. people. <laughs> they could just right. become an anime. Making, okay, making anime. Virtual <laughs> worlds. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you can't, like, you can't like sit... Well, I mean, I guess you could. And maybe There was a just, concert in Fortnite. Maybe we should just be more people. adventurous. I mean, dude, yeah. I mean, Second Life has been around for a while, right? Maybe we should just be more adventurous when we sit next to someone on the subway. We can be like, hey... Did you just watch that episode of One Punch Man? <laughs> and then if they say no, you're like, you okay. Talk about your next, dragon, next topic angel of conversation. Uh, you just go down the line story. of like really obscure things you can reference. I know. I don't remember the story. I forget what happened. And he was like, he gave you a pamphlet about how like dragon angels were coming to take over the oh, world. Oh yes, the lizard man. You posted this online. I did. Yeah. I mean, I'm I totally the conversation for just a second. What? He met this guy on the train. Alex talks to people on the train because he's crazy. Yeah, Alex, here, get that Alex. Alex talks to people on the train. I don't know what Jack is reporting about. Particular story that's being referenced right now. I can't actually remember, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy to. Thank you. I also have this happen to be like. 
like, hey, remind me of this thing and we'll talk about it in 10 minutes. And I'll say something like, use this keyword to remind me of the thing. And then someone will say that keyword and I'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? So that's unfortunate. But um, in in an effort to combat kind of what Ian's talking about, where a lot of conversations are boring, um, I have no problem um, chatting with people who I've never met before on, say, a train or other situations where you would typically both stare in equal and opposite directions at a wall and never speak to each other. I like and uh, some good things have come out of that. There was some guy who seemed totally normal and then like gave me a pamphlet about lizard people and the there end of the world angels. and dragon angels and all that kind of stuff. Dragon angels that were coming to end the world. Yeah, I still have that pamphlet and it was somewhere. It's kind of like a born again, the, like the, the, the rapture is like coming kind of thing, thing with right? dragon angels. Yeah. Uh, but Dragon Angels is just a fantastic name for a band, a movie, anything. Anime. Um, anime. <laughs> That's definitely anime. That's definitely anime. Uh, but a, a, lighter, a lighter-hearted version of this, which is, you know, something cool came out of this. One time, uh, there was a guy on the train, and I saw that he was in Adobe After Effects, and I was like, oh, cool. It looked like he's making some fun motion graphic-y kind of stuff. So I sat down next to him, and I was like, hey, what are you making? After Effects. That's cool. And he told me about it. And we got to chatting, and he's a cool guy. And um, we started talking about our... our previous lives before living up in the Hudson Valley area and turns out we both lived in Brooklyn uh, turned out that when we were there we weren't super far from each other um, and then also we found out that he had uh, taken a tour of the house that my wife and I ultimately bought so that was cool and he's like oh yeah it's a great house but that road man that's a crazy <laughs> road so that was fun like on that part of the conversation and then we decided because now up here we weren't living too far from each other and we, we both had kids that we should get together and have our kids meet each other and uh, we made plans for that and it was great and so then when my wife and I were driving over to their house I was prepping my wife on the whole situation said okay the guy's name is Johnny the wife's name is Marla uh, blah 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 here's the kids names and then and uh, my wife looks at me kind of funny and says, Marla, huh? I said, what? And she goes, you know, I uh, the job I had when we were in Brooklyn, um, the woman whose job I took, left. she left that job because she went off to have twins, and her name was Marla. And hmm. it had been established, of course, that they, their kids were twins. And we're they, thinking, they huh. They moved up from that part of, Brooklyn, or that part of Queens. Right, the, that part of Queens where the, the office was was the same. So we're like, oh, what a weird coincidence. Like, I'm sure it's not the same Marla. Like, that would be insane. Um, but yeah, we got there. And after, you know, 10 minutes of me waiting for my wife to bring up the <laughs> possibility that they both worked in the same job at the same company, um, you know, we finally got around to it. And then much uh, rejoicing was had. And uh, uh, Johnny and I got to have this wonderful moment of hearing our wives tell these insane stories to each other and kind of going back and forth one up in each other with the work culture and we <laughs> oh, that was we, that job yeah, yeah. and oh. we looked at each other and we're like you know when your wife tells you something insane you want to believe her but <laughs> to hear someone else confirm it it's just it's really good to know that this is all just as real as we were afraid it was so that was cool good time <laughs> who else wants to say something <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because in, in a regular conversation, I feel like you're not as worried about lost conversation. Well, because I would have yeah. interrupted him. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you just interrupt. You don't, you're like, oh, I'll let you finish this yeah. time. Well, I had a, I had a small, finish. delightful moment talking to a stranger on public well, transit. I, I noticed the guy to the right of me had no service on his laptop, and he had that little Google screen with nice. the, the like, eight-pixel dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And I lean over, and I go, you know, if you press the space bar, <laughs> that little <laughs> guy... Jumps into the air and starts service. an arcade game. Show that little dinosaur. And he goes, "No way." No. Way. <laughs> and it it made his whole ride. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wonderful. Delightful. So, 
So talk to people yeah, on the train. No, talk know. to strangers. Good so blog, by the way. This is, this is a, a stranger I talked to on a train platform. Oh. That dog's peeing over there. The um, <laughs> studio. It's <laughs> such a mess. That's not even my dog. Um, <laughs> it's a stray dog. Um, into the studio. I was on 34th Street um, getting on the A train when I used to live uptown. And um, it was like rush hour, so it's very, very, very crowded. And the platform was crowded. And an A train pulled up, and it was already very full. And people, like, jammed on, like, sardines and just... Like just so, and I thought about getting on. Like, like I can, say, I I could like jam myself in there and like ride uncomfortably up to 181st. Sorry. That's um, what she said. Yeah. Sorry. And, I, had to, I and, had to. And then I I kind of like decided not to, and I stepped back, and all the chaos subsided, and the train left, and the only people left on the platform were me and like an 80 year old man with a cane. And as the train Daisy, left. Sadie. Oh. Daisy, that's Sadie. When the train finally left, he kind of like sighed. He didn't turn to me, but he said this clearly loud enough that he wanted me to hear it, that he just kind of sighed and went, you know, I'm just too old to throw myself against the wall of humanity. And I felt like that was just like a very honest moment from this man. And since then, I just don't get on crowded trains. Like, I, I, I look it's at a crowded train it. and I think I'm too old to throw myself against the wall of humanity. And I don't. It's like, there'll be another train. I will get on a less crowded train. But... Yeah, was, like, it's not worth hurrying. And then yeah, the next train, both of us got seats. I was like, this guy <laughs> knows something. Yeah. It's like let everybody fight so, it out. Yeah, the wall of humanity. Also, everyone should just uh, plug it. The talk to strangers blog, good blog. Yes, yeah, I was, I yeah. sort of mentioned it good, good. very briefly there, but talk to strangers. I'll put a, put it in the links um, for this episode. Uh, but yeah, I just talking to the strangers is is a good experiment. The first road trip I took right out of high school. Um, was a pretty intense one, but I went with very like, like similar to you, Alex. People like who are just actively good at engaging strangers, mm-hmm. and it made for like an amazing, an absolutely amazing trip. And I I had a camera that I just got for the first time ever from high school graduation, and I, I was filming all these interactions too. So I still have this like 40 hours of videotape from our road trip where we're interacting with strangers, actually documented, and. It's super awkward, like painfully awkward, but also awesome, because it it was like me in that moment and our friends in that moment and this stranger being accosted by us. Um, but nonetheless, like oh, eventually they opened up, or if we put the camera down, they opened up, which obviously I didn't record. But uh, it was it was just like a fascinating thing, just all these little points in time and to try to capture them. But to capture authenticity is really hard to do, especially when you're recording or you have equipment. I I um, if anyone's aware. I recorded, I took that same idea and I went to college freshman year and reco- recorded um, The Real World, yeah. like similar to MTV's yeah. The Real World. Um, and I made like a real world of our college kind of. And everyone did confessionals in my dorm. My dorm was only like a 40 person dorm um, at Syracuse. And everybody was actually on board. I think virtually everybody, like 37. You were in Lions. Uh, well, it's called Lions now, but it was it was ILC, International Living Center. Um, Coyotes. But uh, there's coyotes in the and studio possums. too. Um, yeah, but it was just like the kind of experience where uh, we had one moment. I still remember of all like I had hours and hours of footage, similar to the road trip. But we had one moment where everyone forgot it was actually recording, and it's the like it's 20 minutes of just pure us interacting in the room and actually forgetting the camera was there. Mm-hmm. And that is 
like the only thing I will ever go back and watch just because it's it's so amazing to see everyone just being <laughs> themselves and like being real and it's obnoxious there's some things that are said that I probably wouldn't want to release to the public necessarily um, but just awesome to go back to and it like very uh, like it makes me nostalgic when there I, wasn't when I any to that. marketable conflict that entire segment no no conflict anyway on that note now we're gonna get to the final question for everybody if they want to answer I think this mic is actually not the one recording <laughs> um, it seems like this one it's been doing a really good job though so I'm also recording with my phone in yeah. the middle I'm also um, memorizing everything so yeah. I oh transcript <laughs> yeah that's good I was going to say a version of that too. so the final question usually is um, what happens what, when we die yeah what happens when you die mm-hmm. uh, what advice would you have for other people to be the most authentic version of themselves this is really good I think for younger people like I feel like we're at a point for in life where it's easier to be ourselves to us, yeah. but yeah for the younger people <laughs> 12, 12. the younger 12 year olds I think Ian should give an honest answer for this because he generally has good advice good uh, challenge way him. to call him out for not being reliably <laughs> honest <though. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's on a call me out sort of day call me out yeah, all these other people are giving trying, strength. She's trying to encourage you to be your most authentic self. Yeah, well. Two hit. <laughs> just tag, two hit. Everything, everybody says, I'm just going to be doing that. Two hit. Um, well, <laughs> kids, authenticity is a construct. Uh, you know, Keely said the same like thing. Say it like Werner Herzog. Do, what, do, do we, whatever makes you feel good. <laughs> Never trust William Shakespeare with your manhood. Good night. I think it's really important to be able to acknowledge when you have been wrong or misguided in your ideologies and acknowledge and correct it. And I think that's the best way to be authentic. Because it's very difficult to say, oh, I was wrong, even to yourself. Not just not just to other people, but even to yourself. To say, oh, what I said or what I thought or how I acted was not honest, was not right, was not correct, and I should try not to do that again. Uh, on just a, a finding your vocation in life kind of note, um, fail hard, fail fast, fail often, especially when you're a kid. Um, recently I had to give a talk at uh, our high school, which was kind of fun, and those children look so, so small. But um, <laughs> kind of trying to think about advice to give them, one thing I settled on was like, guys, you all think that this is like such an important part of your life and God forbid you ever embarrass yourself or do anything that might make people think less of you, but this is such a great sandbox for just trying new stuff. I wish I took dance in high school, you know? Like there's so many things where like, I, it would've been great to, to have that kind of foundational skill set in my back pocket. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't do because of the way I thought people might perceive it. But then I also jumped headfirst into a lot of things. And Danton, of course, has some great versions of this as well, um, straddling the lines between you know jock and drama geek and that kind of thing. But um, wherever I did find myself jumping into, like, yeah, let's try you know theater. Let's try uh, this weird club where I have no idea what they do, and not feeling too constrained to a particular click. Um, and 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 again, not just trying the things where you already know you. Have of an interest, but saying like, ah, what's the worst that could happen? Um, I'm probably not going to die or be, you know, horribly um, um, shunned by my classmates. Uh, more often than not, something good comes out of it. So yeah, especially when you're younger, try lots of new things. The things that you find may, uh, that you actually really love may surprise you. Um, Alex brings up points I'd like to elaborate on. 
And I thought he was gonna say rebut. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, Alex and I met. Tell the line, kid. Um, at, we were we were assigned to a friendship by the Syracuse <laughs> housing department. That's the best way to start a story about a friendship. Uh, but it worked really well. Um, uh, you know, we are sort of in contact with the other four roommates that we had. But Alex and I have been best friends since we met, basically. Um, I think part of it is what he just described is, and I've started to understand very slowly over the many years we've known each other. Um, and it's weirdly come out in playing um, board games and video games with him. <laughs> so styles are so different, and a lot of what he was just saying is like is part of that. Um, where he plays board games and video games, he is very deliberate and mindful about the strategy he's playing, and he's playing it with a sense of detachment that like it's not him necessarily. He's just trying it to see what works. And I've always been the other way around, where I'm sort of like sticking to what feels the most authentic quote-unquote to me like in like in terms of instinct um, and intuition but what it ends up what ends up happening is that over time I sort of get in a rut um, and Alex has seen more things and can play around me as more nimble um, and so I might like win the first few rounds but then all of a sudden he'll just start dominating um, because he's able to like learn and so that's actually really good advice that he was just giving and, and I think I wish I had it growing up of uh, providing yourself a little bit more detachment from yourself of like you don't have to immediately own all the things you're doing you can sort of like pretend for a minute and in a sense be inauthentic but like on purpose mm -hmm. as a way of experimenting and figuring out what actually is authentic to you without like I would I would generally sort of um, stay detached and analyze things before acting and that's served me well in a lot of things but I think adapting a little bit more of Alex's style would have been helpful I feel like this relates back to your baseball story, which I don't think is on the mm. podcast. I think that's from earlier tonight, so I feel like it should be retold for the podcast. Okay, so I was really good at baseball when uh, pre-puberty. I was really good at baseball. <laughs> the reason I was really good at baseball <laughs> was that I was short um, and smart. So I was shorter than most kids, and I was way smarter than most kids. And so what that allowed me to do was that when the kids were pitching, they were terrible at it. <laughs> and so I recognized that they were terrible at it. And they were extra terrible at it with me because my strike zone was so small. And so all I had to do was just, like, not swing. And my on-base percentage was absurd. It was, like, 800. Like, I would just get on base every freaking time. Um, and then I was small and fast. And so once on base, I would just steal my way around the bases really easily. Like, obviously, there were times where I got thrown out because I made a bad mistake. But... The pattern was that I would generally get on base and I would generally steal my way around the bases and if the rest of my team could just not get three outs, I would like steal my way around the home. Um, and it was really good times for a few years there. And I was pretty good on like not to sell my so to stop selling myself short, like I actually got some singles, you know, every now and then and I was actually pretty good on defense. So I wasn't a totally useless like baseball hacker. I was actually but but the things that made me good at baseball were basically like being smarter and shorter than everyone else <laughs> and fast. Um, so then when puberty hit and suddenly I wasn't short anymore and my strike zone was big and all the kids started learning how to pitch, I was just like, I couldn't play baseball anymore because like, everything about what made me good at it. I had, I had always just been comfortable in my style. I had known what I was doing and it was working, so why bother? But a bit, of that, a bit more of that like experimental spirit, I may have been good at baseball longer, but I, I mean, I don't know how much that would have served me in the bigger scheme of things, but in the, in the topic of being good proud. at baseball, I could have been a ba good at baseball longer if I had been a bit more experimental and um, willing to do things that weren't inherently me and to expand the definition of what is inherently me. 
i think that's part of what alex is getting at is that you don't really know what's authentic to you until you try a bunch of stuff and figure out what isn't authentic to you. Well said, Ian. That's a frequent motto, I think, of just, uh, I try to say on the podcast too, is just, yeah, failure, like trying to do things. Another example that Alex has referenced and and I like to go back to is the Every Week for a Year blog, um, which this is purely just to get traffic to that site. Um, (laughs) No, uh, it's, but it was, it was, the whole thing was an experiment. Um, about trying to find actually the original reason to start it was purely because I had all these ideas and didn't feel like I was actually doing any of them so it was effectively a way to kind of organize a to-do list and I did uh, a different project every week for 52 weeks and um, whole year year. and uh, the goal was roughly an hour each day so like seven hours a week um, which some weeks it was like 14 somehow and other weeks it was scraping by with like three hours and this was pre-kids, but I've tried to repeat it years since, and it's been difficult with kids. But um, nonetheless, it was the interesting thing that came out of it, though, is I realized like what areas I actually liked, like the ones where I was most passionate, the ones where I kept pushing beyond that time limit. I didn't really care. I was just all about trying to explore the idea, and I think it's helping me now focus into like the writing and the storytelling as like a creative side career, whatever you want to call it. Um, where I've sort of focused in on mostly writing and then a little bit of like, I still like the animation and the illustration side of it. Um, and that's kind of, that's narrow for me, I feel like, who, who had literally like 52 different ideas previously. I think cooking was one of them, beer brewing. <laughs> like none of those things really stuck um, for me. But yeah, it was, it's a fun experiment. Yeah, it was, it was a great experiment and it's like a learning process. You get oh, yeah. something out of it. If you, you, you did beer brewing? I did, yeah. Oh. It was you before. Try... It was before the brew kit was yeah. created. No, but you should try making mead. It's way easier. Huh. Uh, there you go. And mead unlike craft beer, you can't just walk into a store and get mead anywhere. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. It, it's, like we're drinking special. mead, if you can't tell. So you, you've, no one can tell. You've made beer, so you know how much <laughs> of a pain in the ass that is. Yeah, beer is a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. mead is super easy. You okay. mix honey and water and yeast, and you just like come back in a month and you have. <laughs> like just... there are a couple of subtleties, but that's basically it. Okay. Because honey is antiseptic, antibacterial, so you don't have to do any of the fancy shit. Ah, right. Like the, and yeah. honey is full of sugars. You don't have to like extract sugar from the grain. You know, it's, you just mix honey, water, and yeast, and just come back in a month. Nice. It's good great. to know. It's fantastic. Recommendation. I don't know why it's not more popular. Yeah. <laughs> and it was question. delicious. Yeah, Ian made some and brought it here. Very good. I highly recommend uh, making your own mead. You should call it Shark Tank. <laughs> Shark Tank. Oh <laughs> mead <laughs> is the least authentic thing <laughs> in the world. It's also, we, we really have to figure out how to make the money-making angle out of that. Yeah. Because I just explained how, how easy it is to mm-hmm. make mead. Right. It's so like, what am I doing? Selling honey? Right. <laughs> and yeast. Honey and yeast. Yeah, mead. Let's make it even easier. It's <laughs> right. a box. Just sell me. Just, just, sell me. just your, add your operating water. costs will be so low. <laughs> well, actually, um, Mark Capstone. Well, this is separate from the podcast, but we the Capstone I did in Baltimore separate that actually happens to be a meatworks in in the neighborhood. So we like dropped by, and it was like an hour before they opened. But we just like one of my teammates was just like, let's just try to open the door. So we opened it, and it was open. And we walked in. And the guy was like closing down brewing to open up the bar in like an hour. Uh-huh. So he just like gave us basically a private tour of the facilities and then like a tastings of all the meat. And they do the same thing. Like they like try to dry it out completely so that it's like not too sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. Not I've had some that are all, way actually. way too sugar. That, that, that was much better. They they went. I think they go too far where there's like no sugar left. So it's just really like it's sort of just bland beer. Okay. 
Um, they left a little sugar in. I think they didn't want the flavor out of it. But it was really interesting talking to this guy about it and tasting all the wines. So the Shark Tank pitch is like it's bottle your own. So made super easy to make because we give you a jug and some fancy bottles and you pour it in and then you just say you bottled your own beer. I think we literally have a friend who did a Kickstarter of that for beer. <laughs> Box brew kits. I'll include a link. Mike Langone. Oh no, that's real brewing. <laughs> no, I got no. his kit and it's a pain in the ass making beer even with the kit. Mm. No, but his is the nicest version of that. Yeah, like aesthetically, but it's the same as if you like, it's still difficult. get all the other yeah. stuff. Yeah, you can't cut out the process. Like, it yeah, still has so to happen. Because <laughs> that's the joke. It's like the inauthenticity, inauthenticity of cutting out the process. Yeah. <laughs> but you can say bottled my own. Yeah. And you just said means hard to get. So here we go, guys. Yep. yep this yep. is our new. This just business. makes you want to start like a separate business that's just like called middlemen. Middlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's almost everything anyone. Does, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, Saving that's time. The point, right? <laughs> Like Amazon was like whole sales pitch was like we're cutting out the middleman and now they are sort of the middleman. Yeah, yeah and they're full of like oh, oh, oh. Careful, you'll All right, be Dan. attacked by a drone. I know. Uh, anybody right? else want to talk? But I do want Dan to talk about his so his, uh, his sports experience <laughs> in high school because that was funny earlier. Which sports experience? Who's a daisy? Who's a daisy? She's a oh. daisy. Well, there's, the no, you told there's, it was there's no there's no advice. There's not a specific story. No, I don't care about that. Just oh, tell I it. Yeah, Lindsay has advice too. Huh? Yeah, go, we can go over. Lindsay has advice. I don't think that mic's recording. Is, are either of the mics recording? This is the old. There's Why sound bars coming. This, this is, is the only one recording. This was an elaborate. No, there's no way. The one you're holding is recording. About not the weather. You your sound waves are so high and everyone else is so low. Okay. Ian, yell into that mic. Excuse me, Daniel. Daniel. What? Is it redlining right now? Is it redlining it would right be now? Spiking. You just, you it, would, got a bug on you. it would be it's spiking bugging. so high. But this one, Is it redlining now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, fine. I'm just Prove dumb. my point. Okay. <laughs> Which is so pretty. Okay. <laughs> okay. Lindsay advice. So, building one back. These are sort of related and deal with the labor and conscious editing, I guess. Mm. One of my favorite quotes from my grandma is, it's not a bargain if you don't use it. Right. So, related to adding things to your life. Oh, I say that all the time with shopping stuff. If it's stuff. not a part of your life, yeah. reconsider it. Mm. And make that a conscious practice and mm-hmm. let that inform your future consumerism. Two, <laughs> um, that was more precise than I thought I was going to. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was right. Two, uh, even if the... Uh, or let me rephrase that um, always listen to opinions people have of you even if it's shallow underbaked seemingly worthless it's a really important skill to develop to be able to parse through what you think is valid and what ultimately might shed light on who you are to others because we all have egos and we all spend our whole lives knowing who we think we are to ourselves but there's that other side that we don't often think about which is the person that other people see us as and I think it'll just lead to a happier life if you're more aware of that yeah. That's I it. like that cool Thanks. yeah and the consumerism thing yeah um, I, I like that I love that I, I say that all the time like my mom is always like oh 
this is this was such a deal. Mm. Like, well, it's not a deal if I don't need it. I wasn't gonna <laughs> still, buy it when I walked she, in. She's like, oh, it was only you know it was only ten dollars for forty shirts, and I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I don't need forty shirts. But ten dollars, uh, like, it's still ten dollars more than zero. Right. Yeah. The uh, an alternate version of that. This was uh, unfortunately I got into like a fight with my high school girlfriend who was a bit of a hoarder, and um, <laughs> glad you added the dirt at the end. That's just like, you know, uh, I was sure where it was going to go. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I, was, I was into the right. We're not so trying to serious. disparage anybody on this. No. no. Well, I'm going to disparage Except for Andrew Farah. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but she, uh, she I, I was helping her move, and there was this really gross fan. It was all, like, you know, like, black dust all over it. Yeah. I was like, you got to throw this out. And she's like, yeah, but I could, like, it could be cleaned, and then it would be fine. It's like, are you going to clean it? She's like, no. She's like, well, then it's garbage. But she had this this weird like I mean that's what hoarders are like they have this irrational fear of throwing things out mm-hmm. and I, I in, in the in the run of this fight I, I sort of said to her like look the truth is things become garbage when you acquire them not when you throw them away <laughs> like, like the only way to avoid creating garbage isn't to carry the garbage around so your kids have to throw it out when you die <laughs> it's to not acquire the stuff in the first place right. mm-hmm. um, and I've been trying I've since having that accidental insight during an argument <laughs> I, have been, I think about that a lot that like everything I buy will eventually get thrown away mm-hmm. except for food which will get thrown away but into the toilet um, <laughs> More but it's, that I don't feel as bad about um, but yeah like every time I think yeah, I have to buy something I'm going to throw this away eventually mm-hmm. so it's like how can I make sure to buy something so that I throw it away like so that I'm buying fewer things like Buy a you know I, I buy a computer I spend two thousand dollars so I can use the computer for eight years right. not I buy I don't spend two hundred dollars so I can use the computer for two years yeah. and then it becomes like horrible unrecyclable lithium so like yeah I, sort of off that it's really yeah. not advice for authenticity I don't I don't care if it it's, goes I, I like when the conversation becomes yeah. authentic I think even yeah, if the things not. become garbage when you acquire them not when you throw them away I like that that, that applies to people too people yeah. become garbage when you acquire them. <laughs> Are you talking about adopting children? <laughs> oh, that's, that's way worse. Yeah, yeah, way worse. But it's not making people go. Do you have any advice? Adoption, slavery, same thing. Full of advice. I feel like this conversation has suddenly become very inauthentic. <laughs> this is recording, oh, oh, so it's good. Like, no, I just always, like, I heard somewhere, like, you would care less what other people thought of you if you knew how seldom they did. Mm-hmm. And it's true, you're like, you're not the hero of anybody else's story, and that is super liberating. Nobody cares what you do. Mm-hmm. I, that was huge for me to realize growing up that like I used to really worry about what people thought. Then you realize that everybody is thinking about themselves all the time. <laughs> It gives you a lot of leeway to be super weird. Um, <laughs> and I support that. Mm. That's all. Also, go to therapy. Mm. For the love of God, go to therapy. Mm. And get your mental health sorted out. It matters. There shouldn't be a stigma attached to it. It's very important. And brush your teeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds important. That's Tom Hanks' biggest advice to Excuse young me. people. Can, brush your brush teeth. teeth, yeah. Can, can you invent a, a toothbrush that uh, is operable with pause, please? Yeah. <laughs> There's a dog... Uh, 
that's talking on the microphone right we now. did have Burf. um chicken flavored toothpaste for our dog growing Ooh. up Ooh. oh she, man. she just wanted to Horrifying. eat it it was almost impossible to brush her teeth when i was in high school crest made vanilla toothpaste. Ah. <laughs> oh my god it was I'll, it i miss it every day shut <laughs> it down that is adding artificial vanilla to uh, <laughs> vile oh, yeah and occasionally artificial uh, orange. Just artificial Orange flavoring. vanilla Coke is great, but by the time we'll anyone's listening to this, orange. it'll have gone extinct. Yeah. Yeah. Mezzo mix. Orange vanilla Coke? Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's a that's thing a real this thing. summer. Like, Dan finds these it's things. It's like sent from heaven. There's been there's billboards in New York City. I no, don't find no, it. No, I don't. No, you find it. it doesn't, there's no billboard. They advertised it to me, and I was like, yes. <laughs> I will accept this advertising, and I will convert it into credits for you. <laughs> and boy, is it good. If you have Crohn's disease, yeah, no, eat anything uh, you want. Fajitas. Yeah. You'll die eventually. Just anyway. go. Calories don't count like, after midnight. I feel like uh, sometimes I get weirdly ashamed of being into like chain restaurants, but like <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's relatively. It's fine. I like we are going to IHOP. Everything gets circled back to IHOP all day. Oh, I remember my story about. Oh, yeah, um, weird inauthenticities. In mm-hmm from a while ago, that was the first one we did, right? Yeah, yeah, um, take it full circle. So, when I was little, I had a uh, speech impediment, like a lisp, and also I think I had trouble with R's, I can't remember 100% what it was. And when I was in kindergarten, I was supposed to go to speech therapy, but I was so cripplingly shy that when they told me I had to stand up and leave the classroom in front of everybody every day at a certain time to go to therapy, I refused to do it. And um, so I just never went to therapy and the teacher would come and stand at the door and wait for me. I just would not get out of my seat and go with her. Mm-hmm. And so they just stopped trying to make me go. And I don't know whose decision it was that it was okay for me to just choose not to go, yeah. but I just stopped going or I just never went. And so then I had to correct it on my own. And so I used to practice all the time how to talk, which sounds weird. Um, and what I did is I overcorrected and started talking with extreme enunciation, which I'm probably doing right now because I do it when I'm nervous. <laughs> and so now people that have never been out of North America think that I'm British because yeah. I do not have anything close to a British accent. But because I enunciate weirdly, people are like, oh, you speak in a slightly strange way. You must be British. <laughs> and some people, I've had people not believe me when I say I'm not. They're like, well, what is your accent then? Like, my accent is kid wouldn't go to class. Have you tried Was too afraid of people. New England? I actually have, yeah, but no people from Vermont don't actually like old old time Vermont does not sound like this. Old time Vermont, I actually have trouble understanding. What is it called? Transcontinental. Um, No, 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 no. What's that? What's that? No, I know what you're talking about. The Kennedy accent. It's not that. No, it's not that. The twenties. It's like Mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic is is that. But yeah, so that's all I can come up with that's for like model. weird childhood. Yeah, that, like that something explains, strange. I didn't know that story, but I've actually had that thought, and I never, I never said it out loud to <laughs> yeah. you. But I was like, like, she, like you, you articulate things very yeah. well. Yeah, I talk strangely, and it does make me feel really awkward when people draw attention to it. And I actually yeah. don't do it hardly at all now, except when I'm thinking about it, <laughs> right. and then it happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a hundred percent. Child could not speak. Was supposed to go to speech class was too afraid to go to speech class, had to figure out how to talk. I have a speech class story. It's fun. Uh, 
in the third grade, I tried to fake a speech impediment <laughs> because so kind those, of the opposite. Those kids got to leave class, <laughs> and I hated class. <laughs> and, and the speech therapy teacher like gave them toys <laughs> as rewards for doing well at speech therapy. That's and I was like, everything about this sounds awesome. Wow. But I speak fine. <laughs> Nobody bought it. It didn't work. But what, what kind? Did what kind try. of speech impediment did you try? You went for the list. I think I went oh, for the list because yeah. the children so are not easy. that. Um, children aren't that good at faking. Yeah. Stuff I imagine that wouldn't work. I'll bring up no. the, the, the story that Lindsay was joshing me about a minute ago. Um, so I am the oldest of my um, siblings. My Seventeen siblings. <laughs> I'm one of three. Nice to meet you. My my next young my next youngest sister. Um, is uh, a year and nine months younger than me. Um, and so when I was like a toddler and like mischievous and learning how to write stuff and not learning rules and behavior, um, I like to, I learned how to write my name and so I started like writing my name on like the walls and the desks and stuff because <laughs> that's what you do. Um, and, and so my parents like saw me, saw it, saw me doing it and you know, I was writing my name. So they knew who did it, and they know who did it anyway, because there's like one toddler that can write in the house. <laughs> and so like my parents said, Ian, did you write on the desk? It's like, no, no. I was like, well, it's your name. I was like, oh. And so then, I was, I, you know, I did a bad thing. So, but I still wanted to write my name on stuff, or at least practice my writing on novel surfaces. <laughs> So I started writing my sister's name, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they came over and they're like, Ian, we told you not to write on the desk. It's like, it wasn't me. It was Catherine. <laughs> it says so. They're so. <laughs> like, does Catherine know how to write? Uh-oh. <laughs> You're like, apparently. Uh, that, um... So the lesson there is to stick with your lie. <laughs> yeah, see it through. It's just... Yeah. I, Liz, my wife Liz, uh, had a younger sister, and she, she wrote her name in her books, you know, she said, like, Liz Henwood. And I guess a few years later, her sister had started learning how to write and went into the books and edited them, and I loved the way she edited them. She basically said, it, it said, like, Liz Henwood, so she was like, how do I work with this? So instead of just crossing it out and writing, like, her name, she wrote, Liz Henwood is... Lauren's sister, comma, who owns this book. Uh, <laughs> and she did that to all the books. Nice. She just like re reclaimed all the books. So I'm stealing this story from uh, my brother's girlfriend, but uh, she grew up in Long Island and there was like a famous, maybe like an Italian ice or gelato or some some frozen thing, um, place Water that... Water ice. Yeah, well, no, it's not <laughs> that area. Um, that's more Danton's kind of place. Uh, and, and they had like, you get free, like a free whatever on your birthday. And she was like feeling cool and like edgy as like a teenager. And she was like, God, I'm gonna go in there and just tell him it's my birthday. <laughs> and so she walked in very confidently and said, Hi, it's my birthday. And the person very com very confidently back in, Okay, what's today? <laughs> and her response was to turn around and walk out. <laughs> just like, I mean, just just the smoothest rebuttal. Oh yeah, well, what's the day? <laughs> Not can I see? Your I, I was thinking about the, the speech therapy thing. I um, in the seventh grade, I I had entered like a very um, introspective period in my development, 
and all i would do at recess is walk a really big circle around the outside of recess. he still does that if you talk to him on the phone? yeah, oh yeah. and i would just think about stuff, and like i just was doing a lot of thinking, and i had a very close friend who i saw weeknights and weekends, but he was in the grade below me. and i, at the time, and basically probably still, don't actually require that much friendship to like get by. But like one friend was like perfectly acceptable to me. But at some point, I guess a teacher must have noticed like this weird kid doing laps and not talking to anyone. And so I was sort of tapped and it was like, hey, you know, there are some kids who sometimes they spend recess indoors at a thing we call friends club. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, I don't like the outdoors that much, so sweet deal. <laughs> and uh, they, they, next lunch, you know, the, the, the guidance, I didn't know who the guidance counselor at my school was. I'd never had a reason to know who she was. And they just kind of like, why don't you come take your lunch? Go bring your lunch. Club. We're going to go to friends club. And like, I get to friends club and it's just like, we're playing like, don't break the ice or some board game. And I look around the table and like, it's very judgmental of me, but I remember thinking like, huh, it's just me and all the social rejects. Oh. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't really click. And then like a couple of friends clubs later, I had kind of figured out what was going on. I'm like, oh, they think I need this. <laughs> and I don't need this. But also, this is preferable to walking in circles. Like, I like to play the board games. I don't need the, the, the camaraderie. I don't need it. But okay. And like a couple sessions in, the guidance counselor had gotten a good read on my personality and was like, this kid don't need help. He just doesn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> and she, one day I was walking, like five friends clubs later, I was walking into friends club and she stopped me and was like, why don't you go to recess? Uh, like, you got kicked out of friends this club? This isn't for you. This isn't for you. <laughs> oh. She was like, this is for kids who need to learn how to make friends. And I was like, okay, but can I still eat inside? No. <laughs> no, you have to go be with the rest of the kids. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Fed you outside? Well, no, no, no. What I mean is, like, I got to eat, like, we ate, in Friends Club, you eat at the board game table and you're playing board games, whereas in normal (laughs) situation, you eat for, like, 15, 20 minutes, and then you're forced to go outside for 20 minutes. And instead, it was like, I can come eat in the board game room, but... Yeah, I was found out as not wow. weird enough for Friends Club. Wow. And that kind of hurt a little. Yeah. You were rejected wow. so far. Wow. Goodness gracious. Yeah. That, that's a beautiful... Uh, we can keep talking I feel offline, but that's a beautiful place to end the podcast. One of my close friends who I'm actually visiting me in New York, like, in two days, was one of the kids in Friends Club. Uh, <laughs> oh, Shitting no. on Friends. Yeah, you'll meet him. He's great. So he doesn't need it anymore. I'll be the judge again. He went to, he went to Friends Therapy and... It was successful. He had enough, Club enough, was enough successful. Uh, Friends meeting. Therapy is what Alex calls college. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, so on that note, though, we can Wrap keep talking, up. but... I'm going to end it there. Thank you to all my wonderful what guests. And I will include links to things that they do. Um, and this is the final episode, assuming I don't interview the stray person occasionally. Um, so I'm not going to suggest you subscribe or anything like that because at this point. You should unsubscribe. You've failed. <laughs> yeah, unsubscribe. Just leave. Leave. Abandon this website. Um, like Friends Club of Andrew. Yes, like, like <laughs> I did. Wonderful. Thank you for listening to uh, this show. This has been the Two Hip Podcast. Two Hip. Two Hip. Alex always had sound effects. <laughs>